0: Welcome to LameStream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. You like this show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it, you can smash that subscribe button, and you can tell everyone that you know that LameStream Sports
0: is the is... greatest podcast in the history of the world. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. Um, the greatest SID in the history of the world, Greg Sage, our guest today on the show from Belmont University, uh, and I don't say that kind of tongue in cheek. That's like actually serious. He's he's literally one of the best in the business. Uh, there's a great story that he that John Freeman told about coming into town. If you want to go listen to our John Freeman interview, of course, uh, I recommend that episode. But uh, just about the kindness and the thoroughness and the thoughtfulness with which Greg operates, I think every SID could go to Greg's class uh, on being an SID and would be better off for it. So uh, we'll talk with Greg today on the show. Lots of stuff about Belmont and the transition and NIL and launching their own radio network and calling games and his his backstory and, and everything. So a lot of fun stuff with Greg today on the show. Uh, we will discuss Fox's coverage of the World Cup and the passing of Grant Wall. Uh, we've got some recommendations a little bit later on in the pod as well. Uh, but before we do... Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. Sign up, NashvilleBanner.com if you want news to come right to your inbox. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by... Jaspers.
1: Always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers.
0: So there are like two or three things you consider when you go out to dinner. And one of them is like, I don't know, the quality of the food. Pretty important, right? Very Uh, important. Another one is the price of said food. Also fairly important. But literally in Nashville, I'm I think number three on the list is can I park my freaking car there? Because it it changes your decision making process. The calculus moves quickly when you're trying to go. Well, can we park there? Where do we, how's the parking?
1: <laughs> like add twenty percent to your bill with your parking downtown. I mean, and and with with um, with how they're about to change the meters downtown. Oh
0: God. Yeah, is isn't it number? Th- I mean, it's truly number three on the list, isn't it? Like it, quality food, price of food, not, it, it, price it of food. Is, can I park I, my car? I would
1: say it's, I would say it's, it's number three for your, for your, for your typical Nashville diner.
0: And if you are anywhere inside of the downtown area, how many places like Jasper's have a a very large, very nice, very free, very free parking lot for you again? Not only do they l- deliver on the first two bullet points, right? They deliver on the quality of the food and the price point. It is extraordinary restaurant for the price I point. I
1: haven't checked. They may be the only one. I, but like I said, I haven't
0: checked. It, they might be the only one. Maybe the only one. It might be the only one. The uh, only free
1: parking in Nashville.
0: The, the, the greatest restaurant on the podcast with the greatest SID with the greatest parking lot in Nashville. Synergy, baby, it's right all. It's all right there. Uh, all go, right, to go to Jasper's. Ja- go to Jasper's, everybody. You need to get out of the house. You got you got in laws in. You got the holidays happening. You need a break. You want some some you know a place to go watch a, a the Preds game or World Cup match or NFL football or bowl games. Just swing on by Jasper's. You won't pay for parking. You'll get great food and it won't it won't break the bank. So go to Jasper's. Uh, all right, before we get to Greg, real quickly, the the Grant Wall thing is just so tragic. Um, I, the the I've read some stories by some people that were in the press box when he passed away during the, Ar- the uh, Netherlands and Argentina match. And like, they're literally telling the story about watching a man lying on the ground while, uh, you know, an entire country is outside in the stadium celebrating penalty kick victory and how it all does. It feels so surreal. So there's some really interesting journalism that's coming out of the coverage, but it is hard, Steve. I, I we will get to Fox's part of this in just a second, but it is just, it's, I know his, his wife, If you don't know, a very famous um, uh, doctor who has come out and said how he passed. The autopsy has been done. It was hard for me to watch the games on on Saturday over the weekend and not think about all the context that Fox left out of their broadcast uh, about Iran and Iran, excuse me, uh, Saudi Arabia and all the other events that have been going on. Um, But apparently, no, no, nothing nefarious, according to the family. But it was hard not to think that. Through the first 48 hours or so of that story uh
1: it didn't help that his that his brother was on had an instagram post which which he came back in a later interview and said said i regret i I regret putting that up uh his brother obviously distraught um did not want to believe that that grant had died of natural causes Uh, and so he he had intimated in there that one didn't intimate he said Grant had received death threats while he was was in was in uh, Qatar covering the World Cup and and kind of made that link for
0: for people. And and I don't I didn't even need that, by the way. Yeah, I, I, you can make that link pretty fast in your head when, again, you're in a group with Iran that has just murdered a girl for wearing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not hard to to make the link. And he's being he's the most outspoken critic of what the World Cup has been uh, you know your neighbor you also next to the saudi arabia <laughs> which is right there that has murdered journalists like it's not a it's not a it doesn't take an instagram post to make that leap in your head
1: so no it doesn't uh but but at the same time uh, you know I, I i and i said this on twitter kind of kind of afterwards that, you know uh, i i'm a big believer in occam's razor which is you know all things being equal the simplest explanation is is usually the correct one. And, and in this case, when in this case, it was, it was, it was health related. It was an aneurysm uh, in his heart. And there was no, you know, there was, his, his wife was on CBS uh, morning yesterday saying, you know, look, there was no amount of CPR. There was no amount of, it's just, just a tragic, uh, it's just kind of a tragic sort of thing. Uh, the, the, I want to go back though, the, there were, there are a couple of different uh, remembrances uh, and, and kind of, columns about wall that I think are really that I think are really worth checking out. The the main one is, uh, Alex Abnos, uh, from, from the athletic wrote a piece and, and in it, he talks about meeting wall and, and how wall helped his career. And he has a great line in there when he said, he, when he said, if it seems like this post is, uh, if it seems like this post is mostly about me, he said, that's most grant stories. And I think that's, that, that is a, that, that, that is an, a, a very a, a prescient sort of point here, which is that wall did a lot to connect journalists, uh, collect, uh, there's a, a couple of different people, uh, wrote about how in kind of in the wake of layoffs wall was, was calling editors and saying, here's five people you got to hire. And, uh, and uh, the, 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 the editor responded to him and said, how many other editors have you called? And he said, I've already called four and I've got 10 more to call. And, and that, you know, that, that tells you kind of the kind of guy that, that wall was in addition to being a supremely good journalist. I mean, he was a, he was a very good writer wrote for years for SI. Uh, I, 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 you know, one of the first things that we talked about on this podcast, when we launched was he had launched a sub stack uh of his writing uh, and i think it's all going to be free now i think they'll t- they're going to take the paywall off of it you should go back and, and dig into some of those uh, some of those longer magazine style stories that he did they're they're they some of the best stuff out there he's re- he was just a a great writer uh, and he had uh, he had it was completely well sourced and and somebody brought this up in, in sort of the wake of the u.s going out of the world cup uh, one of the real tragedies was that was it was that you didn't have access to Wall uh, yeah. at at that point at when the Giorena stuff came up because Wall would have had the kind of the, the connections and the would have had the connections and the ability to kind of give give a kind of a broader perspective of, of the whole situation in a way that that very few you know others could. So I. I it, it, it's just a it's just a terrible loss if you're yeah. a soccer fan
0: uh, well and, and 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 again we got to move on to greg here but i think fox rob stone came on and did about a 30 second sort of here's you know and uh, and, and stoner and
1: not, had, had worked with wall for years right. on on uh on box broadcast that it's interesting at this world cup there were at this world cup there were a couple of different things Fox stood in the way of of him having Landon Donovan on his podcast um because Donovan was on was on uh Fox calling games with Ian Dark um Fox uh, Wolf left working for Fox because he found that their coverage of Russia uh in 2018 was was not up to snuff and and you saw that in kind of his the way he he approached you know covering cutter uh Fox's broadcast in general has been, I think, pretty abysmal. Uh, there, the, some of the game calls have been pretty good. Uh, Games have been great, yeah. Some of the studio stuff is just is just unwatchable. And I, I tried to watch the late night show a couple of times because that's ESPN pioneered that uh, in South Africa and and in and, and really kind of set uh, set a, a template for what you could have as as a really good soccer show. And to see what Fox has done with this by basically turning it into the Ocho Cinco show is just, I mean, man, it is unwatchable.
0: Well, again, I I think Stone, I think it was the right way to start the broadcast about Grant Wall. They did about a 32nd eulogy ULG-style kind of remembrance. Um, You know, 10 seconds into the the B block, they came back from break, and Lana Donovan's like, yeah, great job, Rob, but now it's time to talk about the games. I think they could have put more context into it, Uh, Because at the time, we didn't know everything. And they could have, again, you're a broad, a major broadcast partner, you can't go out there accusing people of of murder here. That's not what I'm suggesting, because that's ridiculous. But you could ask, you could put some context around it, which is the last article he wrote was extremely critical of the Qataris management of the World Cup, the he was detained at the first US match for wearing a shirt being outspoken about gay rights, like it's there's there's a lot of context that they could have added to that and they chose not to but that's not surprising because they've chosen not to add any of that context at any other point during the entire broadcast the only so,
1: reason the only you know. reason that that they have a huge uh, base in Qatar right now is
0: because the qatari federation paid for it all yeah
1: so and, and that's why you see those that's why you see those ads come to qatar we're a great partner yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah blah
0: blah so i tom tom brady yeah he took his family to qatar last summer accidentally sure thing uh, sure, um, sure. okay as one does <laughs> as one does in the summertime in the middle east uh all right so um We'll get to some recommendations a little bit later on, a little lighthearted there. Obviously, tough news for soccer fans uh, and for the community. Um, we'll, uh, one quick recommendation, his podcast, his producer did about a seven-minute you know, so, sort of farewell to him. It's tough Food. to listen to, it's but Whittingham to to. is
1: very good. Yeah, he does Chris a great job. Chris Whittingham is very good. Well worth your listen.
0: It's only like seven minutes. It it's, gives you some insight into to Grant Wall, so go check that out. Uh, all right, Greg Sage, best SID, in our opinion, in the market of Nashville. Here was our conversation with Mr. Sage.
2: Greg, good to see you. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm great, Braden. Good to see you. Hope you and Steve are having a great holiday season with your friends and family and getting ready for what the end of the year and the start of the new year has to bring.
0: So we're going to start this interview by giving away our first ever award on the show. I don't know if it's called... I think it's a, I think we'll call them a Streamy. What do you think?
1: We're going to workshop that.
0: A Lamey? You want to, you want to, you want to give out our we're first We're going to lame? workshop that, too. Okay. So we're going to give out an award. 2022 award. First award we've ever given out. Unprecedented, uh, the greatest sports information director in the city of Nashville, Greg Sage on the show. Congratulations. How does it feel to win the award?
2: Well, it's kind of one of those things. I I guess I'll thank the academy and and, and thank <laughs> you know, thank my thank my wife before I forget. No, in, oh, yeah, in all yeah, yeah. seriousness, you, you know, our mutual friend Steve Lehman, you had him on your your podcast a few weeks, maybe even months ago. And and the subject of me and Steve's connection to Belmont came up, and several people texted me. And uh, you were very gracious then, and you're very gracious now. I, I, I'm not going to start calling myself that. That that's 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 not. certainly not not what but I would you, but do.
1: You, but, but you can have it on the wall
0: for the Zoom calls.
2: Yeah, I, I should probably I should have come prepared and like put the. Put the sign uh, in well, the background.
0: A, I'm sure it got lost in the mail. I'm sure. Right, maybe, uh, I mean,
2: with, with Belmont, maybe I, you know, I can get one of the students to come up with like a, a walk up song or something. <laughs> there you so. go.
0: So do you feel different today? Like now that you've won this award, like has it changed your life in any way, like how, how do you feel? You know, that's that's what matters here. It's It's your personal feelings here.
2: I kind, I kind of do. You know, uh, this is coming on the heels of the World Cup semifinals and, and Alvarez had such a great game. Maybe I feel a little <laughs> bit like Alvarez. It's it's a life changing experience.
0: So. Uh, well, no, listen, we 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 joke, but not really, dude. <laughs> um, I, I think you set the bar pretty high for everybody in this market for the job that you do. And so because I, 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 I will get into your background, we'll get into like the 40,000 jobs that you do actually have. <laughs> Uh, At Belmont, I I would like to first and foremost get some I want you to describe in your own words, what the role and the job of SID is supposed to be like the vision for what that role is supposed to be truly in its truest form. I want you to use your own words to describe what you think that should be. Uh, And that goes for college athletics that goes for professional sports, just anything. What is that role supposed to be in your mind?
2: Well, I did give some forethought to it, Braden, and I would crystallize it this way. I think people in my position, being an advocate or PR person for a college or a pro sports team, they can view media members as, as advocates or adversaries. And, and I just prefer to view media members as, as advocates. And uh, I mean, the reality of the situation is in this market, I mean, the Titans are king. And, and, and UT is like a close queen, uh, SEC, NFL, certainly in that mix too, independent of those two. Um, and so in as much as I can build strong, meaningful, genuine, genuine relationships with media members to help amplify our university and our athletic program. That's what I think I should do. And that's what I think people in similar roles at other college or pro sports teams should aspire to do as well. because. You know, at the end of the day, that's what our, that's what our charge is. And we can get into it, uh, throughout our conversation. Uh, if you're at Alabama football or Kentucky basketball, maybe there's a different, a different spin and it's understandable how and why it could become more adversarial because of the demand and the eyeballs and people kind of picking at and plucking at Nick Saban or John Calipari, whereas at Belmont, um, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but uh, hopefully the the view when you hear Belmont, that that it's a a positive connotation, that it it evokes something that I want to be a part of that, or I want to talk about it, or reminisce about a good experience, or look forward to a future experience or a big game on campus. Um, So that's kind of where, in a nutshell, where I come at it from, Braden. I I really do have to be uh, a champion for the school and, and the athletic department uh, and celebrate all the good things that we have, both in our past and in our future.
0: Could I just, just following up on the line between adversarial and, and advocate, isn't it true largely that probably 90% of all sports teams or franchises or organizations should be in the advocate department? Again, you mentioned Alabama and, and Kentucky, the Titans if we're talking about 32 NFL teams and we're talking about, you know, maybe a handful of college programs that are like that in in basketball and football, I mean, really everyone else, (laughs) right? Shouldn't almost every other product that's not at the tip top of the entire sports demand world, shouldn't everybody view it as what's the best way for us to build relationships in this market to, 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 to have that positive connotation?
2: I mean, I would think so. And I I don't want to, put words or a mentality in, in other people's mind. I mean, they, they can go at their job as these they see fit. And, and I mean, when you think about the, the rise of social media, uh, certainly now in college athletics, the rise of the transfer portal, recruiting, uh, name, image, likeness, uh, influencer, open doors. So th- there's a lot out there in a multifaceted role. So far be it from me to ascribe my view and, and mandate it to be applied to every John Doe or Jane Doe at every, any other school or, or pro sports team. But I just, I wouldn't understand or know how you could go about it differently. It, it, that's just the, the mindset that I have. Um, and it, and it comes from a good place because think about it this way, say football season ends and you guys have a free Wednesday night or a free Saturday afternoon. And are like, wow, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll check out belmont missouri state today or maybe i'll check out the belmont murray game today uh it's just planting the seed and as you guys well know and i'm sure we'll get to it later in our conversation uh you're not going to break down every hangnail that ben shepherd has or every uh comings and goings that bart brooks has the way that you have to when it comes to the titans or sec football and so when our number is called, when our deli number is called, when you're in line, A, we have to be ready to go. And B, we have to welcome you with open arms. And hopefully um, that's where you guys would come from and, and have that viewpoint of, of Belmont and, and evidently of me. So that's great.
1: You said something really interesting, which was that the, the, the Titans market, but it's also UT market. And 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 the UT piece of it, and you know, we we've talked about this what has kind of waxed and waned, but, but it's, I mean, it's very, it's really there right now, both for, both for football and for basketball. That basketball team is re- that basketball team is really good. Commands a lot of attention. How much, how much do you have to pay attention to where the other kind of forces are that are taking it sports attention kind of in the market when you're trying to get uh, attention for Belmont and, and, and how do you kind of calibrate what you're, you know, what you're trying to do in order to get to a, a lot of media here in town?
2: It's an undeniable reality, Steve. I mean, the, the games are what they are. And so if we're if we're playing Evansville at the same exact time UT is hosting Kentucky, well, that's just the way the schedule fell in in whether it's media members or fans, they're going to make their own market decisions. But I'll use the example of when we announced that we were joining the Missouri Valley Conference. I mean, I had significant conversations with our vice president and athletic director, Scott Corley, our university president, Greg Jones, a lot of administrators, Coach Alexander, Coach Brooks. We have to be very thoughtful and strategic as to when we're going to announce this. We can't just be cavalier about it and just say, all right, some random Thursday at 10 a.m. not knowing that that's when Mike Vrabel is going to talk, or the Titans just signed somebody, or had huge breaking news, or the Preds are opening camp. I mean, you could go through a litany or Santa's list of other things that are going on in the market, and I would be doing a disservice to Belmont, and our president and my boss, Scott Corley, would look at me like I was an alien or something if I scheduled something at the exact same time that the I don't know that the Titans announced that they had traded for Odell Beckham or something. So uh, you have to be extremely thoughtful for those kind of bigger events, bigger announcements, independent of games. Uh, And so that's, that's the, that's a mentality I've adopted and and hopefully Ben Belmont has benefited from that.
0: I I don't know why this sticks in my head, but I think somebody in this last election cycle held a rally in Wisconsin during a Packers game. And I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> like you can't you can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't get your message out during a Packers game in Wisconsin. That's just not going to happen. Um, your background. I, I want you to uh, talk through some of your background because there, there's a lot of different ways you can get to your role um, in terms of background, whether it's PR, whether it's marketing, whether it's journalism, there's a lot of different ways. And I think you come from a different, you kind of come at it from a different direction. So let's go back to, to, to college, Greg. And Tell us the story of getting to here, because I do think your perspectives that you gained throughout your career has helped inform all the things you just explained about how you feel about the role.
2: Well, those who know me, Braden, know that I love language. I love SAT words. I'll kind of use these words during a broadcast at Belmont. Somebody will be like, oh, my gosh, is there a thesaurus there? And so the word I use is I've taken a circuitous path to where I am at Belmont. Very non-traditional. Good word. Good work. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate that.
0: Uh, Meandering, even.
2: Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> and, and so I, I grew up in Western New York, uh, about an hour from Buffalo and Niagara Falls. Uh, my dad was a coach and a high school math teacher. It's the, the same sports he coached. I played two different schools. And so I grew up playing, and my aunt was a phys ed teacher and a tennis coach. And so I've always been around sports, uh, grew up playing soccer, basketball, and golf. But probably the sport that I was most passionate about and had a potential future in was golf. And so I was a decent high school golfer, uh, could have played collegiately. Uh, Two schools were interested. I could have played at Colgate or the University of Rochester, which coincidentally their home course is Oak Hill, which has hosted majors in the past. And they'll host this coming year's uh, PGA. Not a bad place
0: to play. That would have been a terrible college experience. (laughs) Yeah. And so I
2: I could, I could have done that. And everybody has these stories of what if I would have taken that path or turned to that page in the choose your own adventure book. But long story short, I I wanted to get away. I wanted to experience a different area of the country for college. And so I went to Wake Forest University uh, in North Carolina and, I'm sure you both know a, a story. Golf program. Arnold Palmer went there. Curtis Strange, Scott Hoke, uh, Webb Simpson, Will Zalatoris. Now, um, so a great program. And so I, I pretty much knew. Well, uh, I'm I'm retiring. I'm hanging up the the sticks. And I I befriended several of the golfers and would play recreationally. But that but that was that. And so, uh, being that both of my parents, my mom was a high school English teacher too. And so the the emphasis on education and. I wasn't going to major in basket weaving or something. I was going to major in a, in a relatively prudent major. And so I majored in economics and, and for, for years, I thought I was going to be a mutual fund researcher or, you know, work for something on wall street. I had two internships, but my senior year at wake, I'd always had this longing to work in sport. And so I worked in Wake's athletic department. I was working with their women's soccer program, doing PA, running stats. And I had a TV internship at the NBC affiliate there my senior year. And I'm interviewing Vince Carter and Anton Jamison after the ACC tournament. And I'm just sitting there going, wow, this is, I can do this. <laughs> this is cool. And so long story short, I started applying to graduate schools. And the two that I really had my heart set on for graduate school in broadcasting We're American University in in D.C., and they have a great track to kind of cater students into being young professionals and working for Bloomberg or CNBC, kind of a business broadcasting track. And then Syracuse. Again, I grew up about an hour from Syracuse uh, uh, in central New York, and I think you guys know just maybe the preeminent sportscasting um, school in it. In the country, if not the world, at the new house school.
0: Objectively, of course, right? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, you could go right down, Tossas, tariko Stockton, and you just keep going and going. And so Beth Moens now. And so there's long a, story short. There, there,
1: there's a couple of Medill grads that are just like crawling out no, of no, skin no, no. right it's, now. It's, and it's it's fantastic.
0: Mizzou and Northwestern are both very upset with you right now, but it's okay. Well, I got <laughs>
2: waitlisted at Medill, and so I've I've always my, my heart's kind of been broken. No, I I, I love Northwestern great school, but anyway. Long story short, I got into Syracuse. It was a 14-month graduate program. Um, and two of my classmates at the time, you, you probably know Dave Fleming, the voice of the San Francisco Giants, who does ESPN games. And then Adam Shine, who at the time was primetime Adam Shine, and now he does a lot of stuff for CBS, Showtime, Sirius XM. He was a senior when I was a first-year grad student. And so I- I'm calling, like, JV girls basketball games on, like, a – Low Watt Station in Fulton, New York with, with Dave, and it just grew from there. And, and then I, you're just applying for jobs, and I would have taken anything in, in radio or local news, and, and the Fox affiliate in my hometown, Rochester, New York, had an opening for an overnight news producer, uh, and so that was my first job out of school, and that would have been like the July, August-ish of '99. I guess I'm aging myself a little bit. And then it went from there. Within four, four or five months, the weekend sports anchor left. They were like, hey, you went to Syracuse. You know what a football and a basketball is. Can you start talking <laughs> about this? And I was not yet 24 and I was covering the Bills in Syracuse and it just it just went from there. So,
0: So how much of being on that side of the as jim wyatt always says crossing the street right like being on that side of the street has helped inform your role today when you do cross the street and you're now in on on the team side of things
2: immensely Braden. i think that played an integral role in me getting the job at belmont because right before i was here i was a producer at the golf channel in orlando for two years and Coincidentally, Coach Bird and I had a mutual friend that he went to college with that was my boss with, with uh, the show I worked at, Golf Central.
1: Shocking that you had a golf connection with yeah, uh, Rick right, Bird.
2: Right. right, but when when the job opening at Belmont came, um, you know, I had a non-traditional route. I didn't have SID experience at all. I, I was just kind of the other side of the coin. And, and Mike Strickland, who was the athletic director then, and certainly Coach Bird, they were seeing, and, and Dr. Fisher as well, they were seeing the ascension of the university, some success. They had just made the NIT two years prior. And my first year, coincidentally, is the first year Belmont made the NCAA tournament in 2006. And so I I always told Coach Bird I was the rabbit <laughs> or the lucky charm. Uh, and then it's only gone from there. But no, in all seriousness, they were looking for somebody who had Media savvy, strategic sense, could could do a little bit of everything, could write, could broadcast. And it wasn't simply, you know, pen and paper stats or faxing a box score to a radio station or something. It was a little bit more forward thinking, strategic. And, and thankfully, they saw something in me that maybe at the time I didn't even see in myself. And it's uh, 18 and a half years later.
0: Lame Stream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, and it is, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the quarter zips at Jaspers. Oh, going back to the well, huh? Going back to the well? You okay with that? Going back, back to the well. Okay. Don't trap the puck, dog. Uh, listen, Jaspers is fantastic. The food is great. We've told you, I don't know what else we could tell you about all the other stuff that you need to know about Jaspers. I will say that um, I think the versatility... Of this restaurant, you know, like you know, obviously we we had um the tragic passing of Mike Leach this week and what he brought to offenses and how he innovated. I think you could argue he's the most innovative football coach, maybe in the history of college football and modern college football. Is it is it un uncouth of me to compare Jasper's innovation and evolution to Mike yes. Leach's offenses in the air raid? <laughs> yes, it is. No, yes. <laughs>
1: Why? Wow. That's a I man that that is a that is a tie in I didn't think we were going to get but yeah it here, just here yeah, we it, are.
0: it just happened. Uh, listen, Jasper's is one an RPOs in like 97, okay? Like <laughs> let's just let, <laughs> should, I, should I stop or keep going? <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. Folks, every every sport continues to evolve, Jasper's continues to evolve. That the parking is free, the food is evolving. It, it. What do? You, what more do you want me to say? I thought the. I thought the analogy was fine. Good. <laughs> Good. Go, go to Jasper's. That's it. You're done with the ad already. Go to Jasper's. Oh my god! I didn't think it was that bad. Go to Jasper's. You should. You should tell
1: people and kind of give people sort of an idea of the landscape for for the Belmonts and Lipscomb's and kind of smaller schools. Uh, and their and the broadcast production because it's not like you know it's not like in the SEC where the the league has a deal with ESPN and, and all their and all their games are going to be on either ESPN or the or the SEC network and you have these kind of big crews in I mean all these games are being t- tell people how these games are produced kind of at, by school
2: sure it's really an extension of our media studies and audio video production department here at belmont and it's a it's a huge selling point uh at first it started one we near the atlantic sun and it was for a portal that was called ace on tv and then we first joined the ovc and before their contract with espn uh and espn's launch, launch of espn plus we would send signal to ovc digital network and then now everything's to espn plus and espn3 but to your point, yeah, there's no outside production that comes in. I mean, I kind of serve a quasi-executive producer, 35,000-foot role. Um, but my colleague, Christian Sadler, who is a Belmont graduate, both undergrad and grad, and he's been here five years full-time, he serves as kind of our boots-on-the-ground, day-to-day maintenance of the equipment, crewing, crewing our, our games, both from a talent camera, graphics, instant replay, all of those good things. And yeah, we're, we're reliant on our undergraduate and graduate students uh, who get literally hands-on real world experience. And uh, probably you guys know more in terms of the front facing roles, because we've had several of our Belmont students most proud of, and most notably Emily Proud, Madison Blevins-Hawk, who have done Sideline for us and now gone on to great National success, so it's become a little bit of a pipeline from that standpoint. But we've also had a number of people who, behind the camera, for instance, Jacob Lutz is a product of Belmont. He he's basically running everything at Bridgestone Arena now. So, yeah, it's it's uh it's an all hands on deck thing, and we are not getting an army or forty or fifty television crew members coming and producing a Super Bowl for uh for Belmont and uh, Murray State. So
0: if if you kind of, again, this is pure sort of looking down the road and, and speculation here, but but obviously you guys are, you know, you've got Belmont, Bruins Radio. Every sports team is a production company at this point. In the future, is there, I, I don't know, like a Missouri Valley app that you watch all your games on and everything is self-delivered and self-distributed? Is it just a, a, a Belmont-owned thing? Like, And I don't mean Belmont specifically. I more just mean... Are we going to be going through all schools? Is it, you know, certainly we have these big broadcast partners that are going to be a part of distributing people's content, but you guys have a podcast now with Steve Lehman as well. I just, I'm just curious what you think. How are fans coming to sports content and how, how does your role change 20 years from now? Let's say you're still in it and, you know, you're trying to be creative with how you, you get your content out there. Is it just, is it all going to be distributed by by the teams in all sports at some point? Or is that – or the conferences maybe? I don't, I don't know, SEC football? Like, I, I don't know. What do you think?
2: I think my immediate response, Braden, would be it just is a little bit depends on who you are. You know, Dallas Cowboys versus Belmont. Sure. Um, but I I think for us, it's going to be multi-platform and multi-partnered. I mean, you, you made the example of, you know, our school is going to have their own – you know, Belmont Bruins TV or their own app. And we're already seeing that with OTT or over-the-top services that a lot of the Power Fives are doing and certainly pro teams are doing subscription-based models. Uh, You know, for Belmont, I think that might be a little bit further down the road simply because my, my attitude would be we have to perfect and sharpen the things that are known now. You know, Coach Bird might use the example of, let's not do 360 windmills before we know how to make a correct bounce pass or be in triple threat position. I would use that analogy. And so for us, those are a little bit more maybe bells and whistles or luxury items, whereas we have got to make our ESPN Plus and ESPN3 productions as good as they can be. Uh, This year, we we launched a partnership with iHeart where all of our games, not just men's basketball, but all games that we broadcast – or digitally on on iHeartRadio, which is a wonderful uh, partnership that we have brokered this year. And so I do think there's going to be more of that. Um, But as we said off the top, I think maybe Power 5, Pro Teams and Leagues in-house, whereas a school like Belmont, I I see it being a little bit more strategic partnerships than being exclusively in-house just to maximize reach and scope.
1: I want to talk a little bit about uh, your role on broadcast. So Steve's Steve's doing play by play, and you're doing color. How did how did it happen that you stepped kind of into that role? Uh, and talk to me a, a little bit about the preparation that goes into it, because I, I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> you're really good at this, and and, and it's uh, like you're you're much better at this than uh than i think i I listen to a lot of other home broadcasts and they don't necessarily i mean they have some very homer calls on them and i I don't think anybody will deny that you're a belmont guy but at the same time uh i've heard i've heard some i've heard some pretty uneven broadcasts on other things and uh, what strikes me is there's a certain amount of professionalism to, to kind of, to kind of your approach. You're it's very good, but you're also walking in there prepared. You're not only talking about Belmont, the entire broadcast. So how did, how did you kind of come into this role and, and, and what goes into the prep?
0: It's almost like you studied it in college or something. Almost.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Braden. I did. I would like to think I came in somewhat equipped, uh, but at the same time, to your point, Steve, not every media relations SID person is is doing this. In in contrast, no. it's probably the point one of point one of point one percent. And so, I had conversations with Mr. Strickland and Coach Bird when I arrived, and my predecessor had done some color. His name's Matt Wilson, and Mr. Strickland was not objectionable to it. He he had heard some of my resume real stuff. He he thought I was both informative and entertaining and he said well let's just give it a try it's one less thing i have to worry about we don't have to chase down like a, a local coach bird player and, and suddenly it's oh timmy does three games and tommy does five it was like well sage will be there and, and just throw a headset on and you can do it <laughs> and and it's just it's forged such great relationships because uh, kevin ingram kevin ingram is one of my dear friends obviously he's doing vanderbilt games now and that was Candidly, that was a hard transition, and I was so happy for Kevin, uh, and it was necessary for him, certainly, you know, candidly, post-104.5, what did his future career look like? And, and certainly, I wanted him to land on solid ground, and, and he has done so, and then some. Uh, but for us, and this is a little bit circuitous or off-topic, I mean, we went through four voices in a year, I mean, because we went through Kevin, and then... George plaster kind of got us through the end of that season in 2020. And then we were getting ready to, to, and those are did,
1: different styles, by the way,
2: slightly, slightly, <laughs> uh, but, but both, but both great people, both great people uh, who have such wonderful Nashville perspective and knew and cared about our program. And it was reflected in the broadcast. And then we had the good fortune of, and I, he still is a good friend. John Freeman was doing Nashville SC games and he had, he had, a, Reached out to me, and we'd had coffee and lunch several times. Hey, Greg, if something full time opens up with Belmont's basketball, I would love to do it because basketball is in my heart. And he he at the time was still doing games uh, remotely for ACC Network, and so we introduced John. And he did several events. He even he emceed our Missouri Valley announcement. And it's almost like a trivia question now. He did three events. He did our tip off luncheon, but he never he never called a Belmont game because the week before (laughs) the season. He was hired as alma mater at the University of Virginia, and, of course, he yeah. had to take that. And so, uh, long story short, Steve's a great friend of mine. We had had some dialogue as well. Uh, you know, independent of Steve's capacity with Channel 5, I've long held a great deal of professional respect for how he goes about his business. And... In his core, he's a college basketball junkie, too, back from when he was at Illinois, and he'd longed to get back into doing play-by-play. And so that was just simply one where the stars were aligned. And Steve knew and we knew that we weren't going to bat 1,000 in terms of his dates. And we're looking, again, if the Titans make the playoffs, we're probably going to run into some conflicts. Uh, But long story short, for Belmont, the pros far outweighed the cons. Um, The second part of your question in terms of Uh, Game prep, I would say for me, just being around Coach Bird and now Coach Alexander for so many years, I'm exposed to unbelievable coaching, unbelievable teaching, just the highest level of basketball product. And so any measure of confidence I had in myself and my own understanding of the game just rose exponentially being exposed to coach bird and now coach Alexander's program. And so I pick their brain constantly. And then, yes, I, I do game prep. I'll, I, I'll go back. I'll watch game film on ESPN plus or wherever I can find upcoming opponents. And I'll say, wow, he goes left every time or that guy can't shoot or wow, that's a great baseline out of bounds action. And you just, you just soak it all in. You make, a one-page sheet. It's it's different from a play-by-play uh, announcer and his production or his play-by-play chart versus mine, but I'll have notes and try to sprinkle it in. And again, I just think I've been around college basketball. Even when I was covering Syracuse and St. Bonaventure, I just I just love the game. I think I have a certain sense and understanding, and I just try to impart some of that to to the viewers and listeners. Right.
0: I think it speaks to y'all, the, the culture you guys have built, the brand you've built. You know, I know those are cliches. Certainly, Rick Bird helps. <laughs> um, but like the professionalism, but also the humility, I think, is is allowed you guys. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. Um, that's why you have that long list of names that are very interested in calling your games. I mean, that, that's, that is that isn't. You, you talked about Steve and George and John and, you, you know, like that's a long list of very talented people uh, that that were that are very interested. And I know uh, I know a lot of others that are still very interested uh, in working at your your program. I think that's a testament to what you guys have done. Um, do you have any memorable moments from the very first time you ever met Rick Bird?
2: I do. This is a funny story, actually. So the first time I met Coach Bird, it's fall of 2005. And I was just staggered at how involved the interview process was because my initial conception was, you know, maybe I'll talk with Mr. Strickland and, and meet the, the coaches and staff and that'll be that. It was a multi-day, multi-layered interview process. I spent a half a day with Dr. Fisher and Coach Bird was gracious enough to invite me to Richland to play a round of, of golf. Is <laughs> there anything right
1: on that? What's that? Was there anything riding on that? Uh,
2: well, it, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I didn't want to have to break par to get the job or something. But <laughs> as Faye would have again, you you both know, Coach Bird, tremendous golfer to this day, scratch golfer. And I, I mean, I played some, but at the end of my time at the Golf Channel, it's I'm unfair. working. In, I'm 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 working in golf. I'm not playing. And so, if I played a handful of times a year. I was fortunate, and so I hadn't touched my clubs in months. And so, Richland's beautiful. And so we get out there, and I put the peg in the ground, and you know this guy's like two under through fourteen, and I'm I'm tin cup and and asking for more balls and everything. I think I. Hit somebody's Toyota Camry on on uh, pine or something. I'm just I'm just there's, all over the
0: place. There's no Camrys there. Come on. Yeah. yeah well. Uh, yeah. That's a good
2: one. <laughs> Maybe like an Audi or a Beamer. Yeah, there or something. you go. There so you so, so long story short, and this is Coach Bird didn't know it at the time, but we laughed about it afterwards. I'm on the 17th tee, and literally, it is like the scene at the end of Tin Cup. I have one ball left, and I'm you know I had I've been on the phone with Coach Bird, and I knew him a little bit, but this is like part of the interview process. Am I going to go up to this legendary coach and be like, Hey coach, you got any spare title list? I I can't, I can't like finish the round. And so I am just like half like bunting, chipping the ball around. So I don't, I don't have to ask this coach that I respect, but I'm just getting to know for a golf ball, the last two holes. And so sure enough put out, Coach shoots two under. Coach shoots a seven, a legitimate 70. Count every shot, no mulligans, a legitimate 70. That's not not fair. Not like 77 or 70. No, he shot a 70, 7-0. And (laughs) I'm pretty sure I was, maybe I two-putted the last hole to break 90. And, you know, which I've long been a decent golfer, so that was a rough ride. And coach, he shook my hand and he goes, Greg, I have a lot of respect for you because if I played like that, I might've lost my mind. <laughs> and so I, he, he, and we, we laughed about it for years on the road and we, we would be in like Kennesaw, Georgia or Moorhead, Kentucky. And he would just bring that out and be like, Greg, I gained so much respect for you that day. Cause you kept your poise and composure um, and viewed it as part of the interview experience. But so that, that was the first time I truly met coach bird was on the golf course uh, in the fall of 05.
1: That's fantastic. What um the transition from for for Belmont this year from the OVC to the Valley, uh, what does that mean in terms of in terms of exposure, in terms of sort of different markets? Um and, and what do you think the, the sort of the long term strategy was here for Belmont to, to, to kind of to kind of move into uh into a, a league that you know as a fan selfishly might give him a better chance at, at, at an NCAA tournament.
2: I think there's a number of ways I can go about responding to that Steve. I think first off the caveat being at the end of the day, the most important thing is is a long-term view and vision that dr. Jones has for the university and for the move so albeit for me to presume what is best but in my own personal opinion, I would start by saying that, that the timing was just perfect because as you guys know, There have been these kind of seismic shifts within college athletics, both from a conference realignment to what is the future of Division I look like, whether it's football or other sports, including basketball, what is the future of March Madness? And please don't misread what I'm about to say. I have the utmost respect for the Ohio Valley Conference, their leadership, Commissioner DeBush, their administration. But given the uncertainty around the composition of that conference, there were movings and comings even before Belmont decided to leave
1: football. Football has really changed the dynamic of that conference.
2: Yeah. And so I think Dr. Jones and Scott Corley said, let's ensure that we're on solid footing. And if we can go to a conference that a traditionally has solid footing, one of the oldest conferences in division one has had success in the tournament, has gotten multi bids in a number of sports, not just men's basketball, but women's basketball, Olympic sports. Um, and then to your earlier point, broader exposure, media partnerships. I mean, I mean, there are multi tiers in in the, in the linear television for, for the Missouri Valley right now. And I know they're, they're undergoing negotiations for their future contract. Um, but it just checked so many boxes. It, It really did. And it wasn't, it wasn't an, unearthing from travel yeah it's it's a slightly more challenging travel league but it wasn't back in the day when there were rumors of san diego state being in or boise state being in the big east or just you know the 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 (laughs) craziness that that we've heard for a decade plus so uh you know I'll use this as an example i mean as we record this you know later today belmont's going to get word that it's going to have a nationally televised game in the missouri valley coming up because the missouri Valley and ESPN have elected to go with wildcard selections this year. And so uh, just increased eyeballs, increased conversation, uh, wonderful markets. I mean, Arch Madness in St. Louis is an institution. It's, yeah. it's a national treasure, and to be a part of that is exciting. Uh, and so I, it's a multifaceted benefit. You, you had to make it from a men's basketball perspective, if I'm going to be perfectly candid and honest with you. Because it's a non-football playing school, that's what drives the bus for us. But there was just overwhelming benefit as a university and as a department for all of our athletic teams that I think the timing was right.
0: Uh, Greg, if you'd ever like to run for office, I would like to be your head of communications so that I have nothing to do. Um, that, <laughs> that's that's what I'd like to be.
2: Uh, all right. And
0: with that it's in funny, mind. I don't mean to interrupt
2: you, Brad. It's funny no. you mentioned that because for years... Oh wait, wait! Are you about to run for office? Are you going to I'm make an announcement? Announcement? Okay. I definitely don't want to do that. Are you
0: interested? Are you best... considering a run at the governor's office? Zero, Are you considering
2: zero, you, zero, you want to just start with Metro Council? That's a, I wouldn't do it for me. B, I wouldn't do it for my family. And yeah, so, there you go. There you go. But when you first brought that up, when I first went to college at Wake, I, I considered majoring in political science because I've always had a huge interest in politics, even to this day uh, election seasons, just, just consuming political news, the conversation. I try to be informed. And so I, I went there, I don't know if you remember the movie, the American president, I think Michael Douglas was the lead and Michael J. Fox was in it. And so I thought for years, my dream was to be like a political speech writer. And I've considered myself a halfway decent writer and that it might be, it might, uh, it might be of interest, but (laughs) my first political science professor at wake was an unabashed socialist and he said hey (laughs) everybody in this class is getting a c whether you're up my butt (laughs) and doing every bonus assignment or if you don't care and never show up and so (laughs) candidly i was a little bit turned off by that maybe it soured my future interest in in a career in that and i wouldn't change anything i've been exceedingly blessed and have loved everything i've done both pre-belmont and certainly uh in my job capacity at belmont now
0: all right Let's put it to the test then. Um, what was a what's what? What are more difficult challenges to navigate and conversations to have? Pandemic, worldwide pandemic conversations, or name, image, and likeness conversations?
2: <laughs> I think probably pandemic conversations because so quickly you can take off ramps and veer into something uh, political, almost unintentionally. And, and whether it's you're doing it yourself or the, the person you're engaged with will say, oh, he or she said that, that means he or she is aligned with him or with her or with this party. When, you know, candidly, I, I try to be really objective, really independent. I I, I don't even want to say I'm a libertarian strain or something, but I just I, I judge people at face value. What, what, are they, what does this person stand for rather than what party affiliation or what flag they're wearing or what button they're wearing? When it comes to name image likeness, I do think there's a large majority or at least a consensus that say, yes, student athletes deserve to benefit for their athletic ability in whatever capacity. Then the conversation becomes, well, how do you make it Work and what makes sense, but I don't think there's nearly the the friction or discord around. Oh, Susie sophomore shouldn't get a name image likeness deal. I think most people can wrap their arms around that.
0: See, this is why I would not qualify as your communications director because I should have said for Belmont.
2: <laughs> oh, oh.
0: In, in, inside the the like when you guys had to deal with like what like navigating the pandemic versus now navigating NIL I'm curious. And really I just want to know about NIL and like what, what are conversations like inside an athletic department about when this, you see it coming, right. It's coming down the tracks at you. How do you prepare for it? And what are the conversations like to handle it effectively and then utilize it to your advantage?
2: Both enormous challenges. I think the pandemic it's almost counterintuitive to say this, but I, I, th- I really do think it made Belmont better because it, it taught us and reinforced us to just really sharpen and fine tune the prism with which we look at things and say, what are we doing here? All right, during a pandemic, we're trying to keep our kids safe. And if they say we can play a game, let's run around, keep score and play a game. And everything else is noise. And so I, th- I think it made us better from that standpoint. from name image likeness, still to a degree, I think it's uncharted territory, Braden. Um, and a lot of people are just defining the terms for themselves. I mean, you'll see the stuff in the news, the the Texas A&M stuff, the the Nick and Jimbo going back and forth and uh, I mean, it's real. I-, I can say it in all transparency we probably lost Will Richard to Florida because of what Florida was able to put on the table short term, longer term. I think Belmont's really well positioned and we're not going to lose anybody because of that. Um, and plus two, our, our coaches do a wonderful job of recruiting young men and young women who want to get their degrees, want to serve that their perspective is like-minded with the mission of the university, which is, which is service based. And so the, the Crockett Center I mean good good luck finding a better practice facility than the Crockett <laughs> Center and so I just see it more as selling to what Belmont has maybe versus and again my alma mater Wake Forest Dave Clawson's already been on the record saying we love Sam Hartman but if somebody puts a huge bag on the table well it may just be thanks for the memories
1: what was the what was the first Nil deal that 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 popped up for a Belmont kid and how did you guys? kind of approach that
2: two answers one we have an alumnus who you guys probably know drew hanlon he's the preeminent nba skills development coach in the world jason tatum Joel Embiid, bradley beal and again this preceded name image likeness if drew were a student athlete now goodness knows what we would have either had to navigate or could <laughs> navigate or fine print Because Drew, given he was an entrepreneurship major at Belmont, he would have maximized that to the nth degree. Fast forward to the current climate. We had a young lady, a women's soccer student athlete, Keely Cartret, who transferred in thousands and thousands of social media followers. It was something of interest to her. She built a base and a following. And it was something that as a department, as a coaching staff, as a compliance office, we had to be proactive with and have healthy conversations about uh, moving forward. I, I know that post-graduation she stayed very engaged in social media. And I think that's something that whether it's an exclusive business interest or a business model for her professionally, or just a part of a whole, that is something that she's continuing to do as an influencer. But but she was the first one that came to mind, and there were a number of business opportunities.
0: They're in Greg thank you so much for your time um it, you're you know you again you wear a million hats and Belmont is it seems to be up oh, Steve's got more questions sorry I cut. Wait, I, I have one last thing all right sorry uh, Steve my apologies. Uh,
1: it is it is rare and I'll see if we can pull the sound for this it is rare in a season <laughs> that you begin a season with a buzzer beater what went through your mind uh, when Belmont beat Ohio at the at, to, to start the season on on a, on on a, on a on a very last minute sort of unexpected shot?
2: This actually brings our conversation full circle, Steve. In, in the context <laughs> of if that had happened and it was a. I don't know, a Kentucky Arkansas game or a Michigan state, Michigan game, you know, ESPN is immediately pulling that and queuing it up the moment Cade Tyson hit that shot. And, and yes, I, I lost my mind and everybody made fun of me and, you know, if <laughs> you a watch gift texts. or whatever, yeah, I, I can, Hey, I can take the, the football cleats in my back from all my, my office mates teasing me about it, but, I, I had to go into, okay, that was pretty awesome. Where do I have to get that? I have to get that nationally. Who, who am I sending it to? And so literally the game's still going on. Steve's still talking. I'm texting producers at ESPN. I'm texting producers at Fox. I'm texting producers at CBS. We're still on the air. And I'm texting producers at CBS. I'm like, you've got to see that shot. Call it up. Obviously it went to Center top 10. But I think sometimes those things happen in the moment, and maybe other schools or other pro sports teams. It just it's contained in a vacuum, and it happened. And I don't want to say people move on or turn the page, but do you fully optimize that? I mean, it was such a I mean, his first college game, <laughs> and, and, and so and the whole sequence happened and in a second. I mean, it looked like Ohio won, and we were at the monitor five times, and how many tents and. Uh,
0: I mean, it is the end of a college basketball game. You did have lots of time probably to send all those text messages. (laughs) (laughs) That,
2: that, that is good because we had a few of those with our most recent home game that, you know, did the the last minute take 20 minutes because of the amount of time that that officials are at the, and I'm a big proponent of that. It's probably harder to do for football, but for basketball, put them on a shot clock. And it's like, if you can't figure it out in 90 seconds, call on the floor stands and let's move on. But yeah, that's that's what I was thinking when when Kay Tyson made that shot, Steve, it was it was this is unbelievable for Belmont. I've got to shout it from the rooftops and everybody's got to hear it and see it.
0: Well, I I think full circle is the right word there, because it literally in the moment you're you're doing like four jobs all at one time, uh, all at one time. And, And I think, again, that's why you are 2022's best S.I.D. in Nashville. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, it's an honor. Check,
2: check is check is in the mail. Check is in the mail. <laughs> and candidly, in all seriousness, I do have a Christmas gift for you guys. It's not because you had me on your podcast. We redid the floor at the Curb Event Center, and I have pieces of the Curb floor signed by what? Coach third for each of you i just need to arrange the time to get it to you i'll be
0: over there this afternoon uh (laughs) well uh obviously best of luck to you guys in the new league um you've already had more drama since even the first game of of the season so it's it's going to be a fun year and uh the growth is coming the the program is awesome you guys have done a great job and uh you are no small part of it i mean you are you're you're a huge part of it so thank you thank you so much for your time greg we do appreciate it man thanks appreciate it happy holidays
2: thanks to you guys appreciate it
0: That was Greg Sage, of course, S.I.D. and I don't know, like thirteen other things at, at Belmont. Uh, we did not get into the adjunct professor conversation. I did want to get into that with him, but we—he was already so gracious with his time that we—I uh, didn't want him insult. I didn't want to insult him um, with you and I bickering about what a professor is or is not. Uh, but he does color. He does again the adversary versus um, advocate. I think is the exact right way to look at it. Certainly, I think the humility, as I mentioned, of, of Belmont understanding their place. And knowing how to market themselves is is a huge part of I think why they're so um, com- a, attractive to work with. I guess if you're in the media, um, and they're just some really wildly professional people that are really really good at their job. And Greg is at the Greg's at the tip of the spear. So
1: here's how wildly professional he is. Um, the, the 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 biggest impediment to Belmont leaving the OVC and going to uh, going to the Valley was the former president was was Bob Fisher who did. I have to say it's a Belmont alum did a lot <laughs> for that university sure. uh, and built a lot of stuff. Uh, they called him Bob, the builder, you know, his, his legacy is is cemented, but he didn't want to, he didn't
0: want to pursue it. No, it's not, uh, it's not an accident that it happened right after the change. It
1: happened right after he left. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and, and, and that's, and that, that's why Belmont, that's why Belmont's in the Missouri yeah. Valley uh, today. So the, the it speaks to the professionalism of, uh, Mr. Sage, to not uh, not throw his former president under the bus. And,
0: and there are more than one. And we kind of joke with him about being the best in the market. I, that's not a joke. Like, there are more than one of those people in this market that I think should probably listen to how Greg talks. Um, they, they don't have to make it so difficult for people to access the product you are selling to your fans, which is entertainment. You are selling entertainment to your fans. You should be trying to get that entertainment to them as much and as often and as in depth as possible. And not everybody in the market necessarily shares that. View and we're not, for even whatever talking
1: about college. It might prof- might apply to professionals no, as well.
0: I, I think it's more than one. It's not. It's. I'm not even talking about just one person here. Like we're talking about a variety of folks. So, um, uh, listen. He's he's the best. He's great. All right. Uh, recommend. So next week on the pod, by the way, our. You know, I know we just gave out our first award. You don't like you don't like uh, Streamy, uh, st- uh, the Streamy Awards. We're going to workshop that. You don't like that before next I think, week because it is not going to be the Streamies. I do think Streamies is I think like, the stri- I think uh, a Streamy is better than a lamey though, right? Like it's, I mean, it sounds I mean it sounds like we need to like, you know, get like a prostate, prostate drug to yeah. sponsor us or it's something. Fine. Fine. There's there's plenty of money in the pharmaceutical, big pharma these days. Um so next week though, our favorite uh, it's a second annual Second annual most popular episodes of our own show. <laughs> we did it last year for Christmas. We'll do it this year for Christmas as well. The it's, most um... listened to episodes, and it again, it is the most navel gazing awards show in the history of award shows, which are inherently navel gaze, uh, I- I- navel gazing uh, in their in their general existence. So.
1: We got to find some place to get an award for this show.
0: We've been, like, like, We've been trying. We've been trying, man. You know? Like
1: like like if like if but like if like this specific uh, if if next week's show could like itself get an award for something.
0: and <laughs> would like it would the like the most it... self-absorbed <laughs> podcast in <laughs> national history. Self. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but we know but you know what? All you folks are gonna tune in. <laughs> so all right, uh real quickly here, I just have a super lighthearted um and and this goes mostly for parents this holiday season but also just in general uh i think it's it, it works for everybody i i guardians of the galaxy is probably my favorite of all the marvel stuff like i'm not I, I watch all of them i don't i'm not a huge fan i'm not a buff of of those that genre but i enjoy guardians of the galaxy it's very funny uh, maybe I'm a bad parent because my six and five-year-old love them as well. Maybe that's a little early for Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't really care um, what you think because it's hilarious. They have a ch- Christmas special suck. I'm just going to tell you. Like all, like when people do these spinoffs and they take a movie and they do a little like 10-minute spinoff or a 20-minute spinoff and they take these TV shows and they do these little spinoffs. Like they mostly are garbage. They're n- n- Very, very rarely are they any good. It's all the same exact kind of cheesy story. Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special on Disney Plus. It's about 40 minutes long. It's almost a whole movie. And it is absolutely hilarious. They kidnap Kevin Bacon, the real Kevin Bacon. It is absolutely fantastic. I, my wife and I, my wife has never seen any of these movies laughing out loud on the couch. The daughters loved it. I'm dying laughing. We watched it back to back. Guardians of the Galaxy for the kiddos, for the family. It is a it's the best Christmas special I've ever seen. Um, as a spin-off uh, go, go check it out Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special the old 97s play a bunch of music in there like it is it is awesome it is so good so funny the whole cast is in there it's great go see it before good James
1: job. Gunn destroys the DC Universe uh he the 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 guy who's been the the, the director for the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, movies just took over is like the the supremo like the 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 guy behind all of the DC movies um it's like crossing the street. Uh, I guess it. You know, it's like it's like going to play for. Oh yeah, it's yeah, like going to play yeah, for the Red Lakers Sox. if you are yeah, yeah. a Celtics guy. Uh, yeah, uh, if you have a Disney Plus uh, subscription, which you'll have to have, I guess, to watch this uh, uh, special. Yes. I haven't watched it yet. Um, you can also find these one of the worst Christmas specials of all time on there, which is the original <laughs> Star Wars Christmas special, nineteen seventy eight. Ooh. which is like one of the most fascinating things in the world to kind of go back and watch as a time capsule because holy crap it is it is something else. Uh,
0: yeah, most Christmas specials suck. I am through episode I've gotten through I've broken the 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 wall here. I'm through the wall on Andor and I'm into episode 3 and 4 and I'm I'm all in. I get it. It's great. Yep. I love it. It's it's fantastic. Um, yep, I'm in I'm in on it. Uh, there's no question about that. So anything else you want to recommend because otherwise we're done here.
1: No, no, we've we've done too much as it is.
0: All right, go to Jasper's, everybody. The next evolution of the sports bar, of course, great food, great prices, free parking, atmosphere, free game room, great specials. They're just basically attacking every single epidemic in this country attached to sports bars and to food and to dining, and they've done a great job. So uh, go check them out. Jasper's support local business, support Nashville Banner, NashvilleBanner.com, sign up and have all of that great stuff sent to you. And of course... All the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network, Fringe Element, a lot of a lot of talk about remembering Mike Leach and his influence. Of course, we've got um, bowl specials, bowl preview shows. We've got lots of Nashville Predators talk right now, uh, trying to figure out what the hell's going on with the team and how they. Good, get- good get- club
1: and country show this Sports week on kind of kind of like look at, looking at what Nashville SC has up has yep. coming up for the next year. There you go. Look at that.
0: Look at all this cross promo. Uh, all right, Steve. Fred, where, can Fred,
1: be, where can people find you on the socials? At Braden
0: Gall at 440
1: Sports. Yourself uh they can find me on twitter and instagram at scavendish if you like this show rate review subscribe this has been lamestream sports a part of the 440 sports network
0: well done